Pastor Rebbit's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for faith being generated in our hearts. And so, Lord, as I yield to you as a vessel, I pray that people will hear the voice of God. I pray that our hearts will receive it and our minds will comprehend it. And as I step back and allow the Holy Spirit to step up, I thank you in advance that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as a result of hearing and doing your word. And I thank you that this church and those who hear this message, their lives will prosper for the better after having heard the word of faith. And I pray that in Jesus' name and everybody in agreement says amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled, Are You Ready? Just look at the person next to you and ask them, are you ready? Now, this is our fifth and our whole final lesson in one of the most important series of messages I've done. Don't you agree that it's a very important message? And so for those of you who are new or those of you who have missed some of the lessons, I want to encourage you to go to our website and catch up on the messages in this series. And they're free. All you have to do is go to our website and hit the message button and you'll be able to listen to all of the message. Now the purpose of this series is to help us understand the process of death and also the afterlife. And the goal of the whole series has been to make sure that we're spiritually, say spiritually, spiritually. that we're spiritually and then mentally, say mentally, spiritually. and then also financially, say financially. That we're financially ready whenever our time comes to move from this life to the next life. Can you say amen to that? And also to make sure you and I are encouraged and strengthened when someone that we know transitions from this life to eternity. So if you're taking notes, today's message title is Understanding the Afterlife understanding the afterlife. Now, I'm going to tell you in advance, I am not going to finish. I may finish my lesson, but I may not finish the series. What I may do is go in the studio and do the series and finish it because I believe I can get one or two more lessons out of this whole series. And the focus of today's lesson is to explain the afterlife process and then explain what happens to Christians when we leave this life. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4, look in verse 7, and if you don't have a Bible, then you can look on the screen and hopefully follow us as well. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, and then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look in verse 13. Now while you're finding those two verses of Scripture, I heard a joke about two guys who always argued about whether they played football in heaven. 
And both of them, their name was Tom and Matt, and, and they, they were best friends and played football every single Sunday for 50 years. And when they were getting older, as they argued about it, they made, a, they made a decision. Okay, whoever gets to heaven first, you can let the other person know. So Matt dies, and he comes to Tom in a dream and says, hey, you were right. They play football up here. And not only that, your name is for starting quarterback. And, and, and uh, uh, the, Tom was like, wow, that's great. And the other guy replied, no, not too great. You're playing tomorrow. <laughs> we all want to go to heaven. We're just not in a hurry, right? Now, I'm going to summarize where we've come from so that we can get to where we're going. So when we were last together, there were two points that I made and summarized over our lesson. Here was the first point. The first point was Jesus went down before he went up. And the whole point was to prove that Jesus went down into the earth first before he went to heaven. We read Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7. It says, But unto every one of us is given grace according to the gift of Christ. Wherefore he said, when he is talking about Christ, ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9 says this, Now that he, Jesus, ascended, what is it but that he also descended, what's the next word? First into the lower parts of the earth. We also read Matthew chapter 12 verse 40. It says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So when Jesus died, he did not go to heaven first. He went down before he went up. Everybody say, he went down before he went up. Now, we also explain what paradise and the third heaven was. Our second point that we made on our last time together is that we go up before we go down. And we explain that death to a believer is not the end of life. It is actually the beginning of eternal life. Now, death to an unbeliever becomes eternal death. But when death happens to a believer in the flesh... Watch this. It's referred to as sleep. Everybody say sleep. Now turn your Bibles over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just look at your neighbor and say he's still reviewing. All right. Because I want you to get this because uh, uh, even since the last time, uh, people have passed that I've known of. Some of you, your parents have passed. We had one member. Her mom passed. And then a week and a half later, her stepdad passed. So you're going to have to deal with this, but I want to show you how to deal with it according to a believer. First Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13. He says, but I would not have you to be without knowledge or ignorant, brethren, concerning those who are what? Notice he calls it sleep. He says that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. He said, listen, when you know somebody who dies in Christ, don't sorrow over them like somebody would who did not know Christ. He goes on to say, For if we believe, verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also, what? Sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now the word sleep, if you want the definition, it means, watch this, the taking of rest. So he's saying those who are taking rest in Jesus will God bring with him. In other words, watch this now. This is one of the questions that I, re that I received. 
Our bodies go back into the ground. Remember when God spoke to Adam, he says, from dust you are and from dust you shall return. Well, that's what happens. Our bodies goes into the grounds and our souls are what sleep. Our spirits are what go back up to heaven. And that's why, uh, you know, it says to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. Now, remember we talked about why people die before their time. Y'all remember that? Well, I added one because I needed you to see a a, a question that came up in the last part of my lesson the last time I spoke. Now, the things that we said people die before before their time is the first one is disease. And this is just when our body deteriorates through sickness and it can no longer hold up. And so sometimes we die before our time because of sickness. And that's why you need to take care of yourself. Amen. Amen. And sometimes people die before their time due to accidents or the sins of man. And this is where someone does something wrong or something wrong happens. And here's an example. We use abortions for an example. And we looked at Jeremiah chapter 1. But I want to add one today which uh, came as a question uh, as I've done this, this, uh, this uh, series. And the second thing that can happen is suicide. Everybody say suicide. And this is when someone decides to end their life before their God-ordained time. Now turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm going to deal with just briefly suicide because there are many believers who think that when someone commits suicide, they go to hell. They say, well, they go to hell because they don't get a chance to ask God to forgive them for killing themselves. Well, I'm going to show you, and I've already went over this again, but I'm just going to give you a verse, and then I'm going to give you a principle. Everybody say a verse and a principle. 2 Timothy chapter 2, look at verse 19. It says, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, read it with me, the Lord knows them that are whose? His. Now, remember now, this is the key to understanding suicide. That sinning and being in the state of sin are different. Being in the state of sin is someone who's never got their sins forgiven through accepting Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's a person who is in the state of sin. Once now you get saved and you get uh, born again through Jesus Christ, you're not in a state of sin even though sometimes our flesh sins. Now... When our flesh sins, it has nothing to do, watch this now, with our eternal status. You're saved once you're saved. The only reason you need to confess your sins when you are saved is that so you can stay in fellowship with God. When I say stay in fellowship, in good standing. Amen. Now, so when someone commits suicide, and I want to, we're just going to agree now and declare in Jesus' name that that spirit that is trying to torment people in this church will not take place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a secret about suicide thoughts. The devil wants you to think they're yours. See, once you believe a thought is yours and you take ownership of it, then you're going to walk out what you believe your thought is. And so suicide thoughts don't come from God. Remember, thoughts come from one or two sources, even from God or the enemy. And so when a thought like that comes, you got to recognize that's not my thought. He's trying to get me to take my own self out. That ain't going to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, that ain't going to happen. All right. So we talked about, so now with suicide, it's one of those reasons that people die before their time. We talked about the disobedience and dishonoring of parents. That's in Ephesians 6, 1. And then we talked about lack of discernment. 
And, 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 and I've broken this one down in two categories. Everybody say this is new information. When I talk about lack of discernment, I've broken it down into two categories. Here's the first one. Everybody say natural discernment. Now, this is when we're not sensitive to the Spirit of God about negative things in the natural that may uh, about to occur, and we're not sensitive about it. In other words, I believe that before bad things happen, in most cases, the Spirit of God is trying to warn us. He, trust me, He warned some people on 911 not to get on the plane. But sometimes we're not sensitive to the Holy Spirit about things that may take place in the natural. So then we have natural discernment. And then here's the second one. We have spiritual discernment. Say spiritual discernment. This is when we are not obedient and sensitive to spiritual things. Everybody say spiritual things. Now I broke this one down into two categories. Because, and here's the first one. Because I believe uh, that believers, we can we can decrease the quality of our life faster through, through disobedience. You know, the Bible still says the wages of sin is death. Now, the death for us is it, going to be eternal uh, life, but still, I, I want to live the maximized life here on earth as I can. Well, one of the ways that we break, that I've broken this out uh, under spiritual discernment, here's the first one, and I want you to turn to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, we're going to look at verse uh, 28, and this is how I ended my last sermon on this particular topic. Here's the first one, and this is when sinners take communion or they commit the unpardonable sin. I'm going to say this again. This is when I talk about ways in which people die early. Here's one of them. When sinners take communion... And watch this. And when they commit the unpardonable sin, go to Mark chapter 3, because I ended the lesson by talking about the, the unpardonable sin, and everybody was like, man, what are you talking about? My daughter even tried to get me to tell her, and I wouldn't tell her. Look in Mark chapter 3, look at verse 28. Jesus said, verily I say unto you, all sins, say all sins, all sins shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, and blasphemies wherewith soever they blaspheme. But he says, but, everybody say, but. But he that shall blaspheme, and that word means to speak evil against, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, will never have forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now, go to 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 19. Because I want to show you maybe a good example of blaspheme in the Old Testament. Now remember, the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament. In other words, we can look at the Old Testament and see some principles working that also apply in the New Testament. And I believe this is one that happened in the Old Testament that we can look at. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. This was a story about Elijah. And uh, he had, and I'm not going to read it all, but in verse 19, they had some water that was uh, not good. And so Elijah heal the waters and the, and the people begin to, to drink again. And so verse 33 it says, And as he went up from Bethel, and as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and began to mock him and said to him, You bald head. They said, Go up out of here. They, you bald head. They said it twice. Verse 24, He turned back. He looked on them. He cursed them in the name of the Lord and there came two bears out of the woods and ate them up. 
Man. Now here's the principle. I believe that's a, that's a, shot, a shadow or a type. See, if, if you don't know what God is doing in a situation, don't put your mouth on it. Hey, let me give you a hint. Don't put your mouth on people. Especially on men of God. I, I hear stuff all the time and I just tell people, you don't know the situation. Leave it alone and here's why. You don't know what God has told that person to do or not do. If there is no clear black and white no in the Bible, then that means it falls in the gray area. Amen. Second, uh, First Chronicles 16.22 says this, and the Bible says this twice. Touch not my anointing and do my prophets no harm. It says it also in Psalm 105 verse 15. So listen, keep your mouth off of people, especially off of men of God. Amen. There's some people who have their mouth on me and their life is miserable. And I just tell them, just get your mouth off of me. I'm a flesh man just like you. So I may do something you don't like. It may, look, blinging is not a sin. Just because you don't like it, just don't put your mouth on it. I don't say nothing about your car or your house or your clothes. So, so listen, I believe you can decrease the quality of your life when you put your mouth on people. You shouldn't. You don't know who God has anointed. So listen, each one of you are men and women of God. Don't talk about each other. Can I get a hand clap right there? Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay, I'm doing all right with time this morning. Now, here's a way that I believe, believe uh, uh, the unbelievers who take communion uh, also can decrease their life. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, this one not only includes unbelievers... But this also includes believers. In other words, here's the second category under this one. Believers who are living in unconfessed sin and take communion can decrease the quality of their life. 1 Corinthians 11, look at verse 23. Now watch what it says. For I have received of the Lord that which I also have delivered unto you. That the Lord, Je the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks... He broke it. He said, hey, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Watch this now. This do or do this in remembrance of who? Of me. He says, after the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. He says, do this often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Watch this now. Verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, verse 27, whoever shall eat this bread, watch this now, and drink of the cup of the Lord, what's the next word? Unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Watch this now. Now those are unbelievers. He says, but let a man examine, let him examine what? He said, let him examine himself. Now he's talking to believers. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he that drinks and eats unworthily eats and drinks what? Damnation. That word damnation means judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Watch this now. For this reason, many are weak and sickly among you and many what? 
Now that word sleep is the same word sleep that we read earlier, which means that, you know, we'll sleep in the Lord. In other words, you can die before your time if you don't judge yourself when it comes time for communion. So here's the thing. If you're not a believer, don't take communion. Why would you take communion when you don't believe in who you're taking? Now, if you are a believer, before you take communion, ask yourself and ask the Lord, Lord, is is my life good? In other words, if you're living in an unconfessed sin, let's just say that you have been regularly fornicating. Y'all know what that is? How many know what that is? Raise your hand. How many don't know what it is? Raise your hand. I'm going to tell you anyway. It means to have sex outside of being married. So let's, let's say that you've been doing that on a regular basis uh, since the last time you took communion, and you're just going to take communion. Don't do that. Say, Lord, you know what? I, I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be living like this. Lord, I need you to forgive me. Cleanse me now in Jesus' name. Eat the cracker, and you're good. So my first point today, and probably my only point today, (laughs) is works doesn't save you, but rewards us. I'm going to say that again. Works don't save you, but reward you. I had a question that says, well, I read about, you know, us being judged by our works. So how does that work along with salvation? Well, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians 5. There's so many questions and so much depth that I can go through this series, but I'm not going to keep going because I probably could never stop. I got to stop somewhere. But I need to show you uh, not only, let me say this, truth will make you free. See, somebody can hear the message of grace and hear that, man, I can do anything I want to do and be saved. You've missed the whole part of grace. Grace is not for us just because we can sin. Grace is for us because we might sin. Amen. Second Corinthians, look in chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 6. It says, therefore, we are always, say always. We are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are what? Absent from the Lord. He said, as long as you are naturally living, you are absent from the Lord. Verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body. Here we go again. And to be present with who? The Lord. Verse 9. Wherefore we labor, we work, that whether present or absent, that we may be accepted of him. For we must all. Everybody say all. Now he's talking to believers here. We must all appear before the judgment seat of who? Christ. Now watch what Christ is going to judge. That every man may receive the things done in his body. Watch this now. Whether to that he has done, whether it is what? Good or what? Listen, it makes a difference how you live right now. Just because you are forgiven for eternally for sin as a believer doesn't mean you should just engage in it because you can give for forgiveness. What he's saying is here, we do get reward. We get, we get rewards for working, and I'm going to show you. See, this is why some people say, well, I, I know I'm going to heaven, so I, I, I'm just going to live the way I want to live. Well, you're missing the point because, see, there are rewards when you die. Amen. Okay, well, you say, well, Pastor Ebbers, show me. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look in verse 6. Now, see, as believers, we are judged by our works. 
But see, unbelievers are judged by their sin. I'm going to say that again. As believers, we're judged by our works. But as unbelievers, they are judged by their sin. The reason we're not judged by our sin as believers is because we have been washed with the blood. Amen. Now, look in 1 Corinthians. Look in chapter 3, look in verse 6. He says, I have planted, this was Paul talking, and Apollos have watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he that plants is anything, neither he that waters, but God that gives the what? The increase. Look at verse 8. Now, he that plants and he that waters are what? One. And watch this now. And every man shall receive his own what? Reward according to his what? That word labor is the same word labor that we just read over in uh, 1 Corinthians. He says in verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Verse 10, According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, he says, I've laid the foundation and another builds thereupon. But let every man, let every believer take heed how he builds thereupon. Now notice he's saying, listen, he has laid a foundation just like I've laid one here at the Word of Truth Family Church. Our vision and purpose in this church is to what? Know Christ and to what? And to make him known. That's the foundation is to know Christ. And he says, I've laid that foundation. He says, but every man needs to watch out what he builds on that foundation. Verse, uh, uh, verse 10, the latter part, it says, but let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we know the, the foundation is Jesus Christ. It's not Buddha. It's not Mary. Come on. We, some of us came out of the Catholic background and we pray to Mary. You don't pray to Mary. The Bible doesn't say pray to Mary. The Bible says pray to the Father in Jesus' name. Okay? So watch this now. I'm breaking a lot of stuff in down here this morning, ain't it? Some people going to go home like, man, I was Catholic all those years and prayed to Mary. No wonder none of my prayers got answered. <laughs> I'm just playing. Here we go. Don't be offended. It's all right. Verse 12. Now, if any man builds on this foundation, what foundation are we talking about? Jesus Christ, gold, silver. Now, these are going to represent types of works, and I'll show you. He says gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Notice now, the first three, you can't be perished through fire. But the wood, hay, and stubble can be burned up. Watch what he says. Verse 13, every man's what? So we know that that's what that represented. The gold, silver, precious stones, and the wood, hay, and stubble, they represent works. He says in verse 13, every man's work will be manifest. And that's on that judgment day. For the day shall declare it because it, the works that that person does, shall be revealed by what? Fire. And the fire shall try every man's what? Work of whatever sort it is. And if any man's what? Work remains which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a what? Okay, so what does the person get who is in Christ Jesus, who lives their potential out in him on this earth, what do they receive? A reward. See, and that's why, I, you know, people think that we, when we ask you to get involved here at church, you think it's for the church, it's really for you. When I get to heaven, I want him to say, thou good and faithful servant. Look, I don't want a, I don't want a, a hut. I want a mansion. And I don't want a mansion that don't have no furniture in it. I want it fully furnished. Amen. There, there's some singers that, that sung in the church first and now they big in the world. Listen, they're going to get to heaven. They're going to have a house. They ain't going to have no furniture in it. 
They're going to have to come over to my house and watch TV. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. If any man's work remains that he's built upon the foundation, he will receive a reward. Watch verse 15. If any man's what? Come on, class. If any man's work shall be what? Burned, he shall suffer what? Loss, but he himself shall be saved. Absolutely. So why is it a big deal for you and I to live a righteous life? See, we are righteous in Christ Jesus, but we can do righteous works or unrighteous works. It's up to us. And this is why it's an advantage to obey God. Obeying God is not just for him. Obeying God is for us. And that's why I have learned, and, and it might cost your flesh. I mean, sometimes when, it, when God tells you to obey, it's going to cost you something. But it, there is never a time that God has asked you to obey him that he doesn't have a reward for you on the other end. Amen. That's why anytime you obey God, you should say, God, I thank you for rewarding me. Man, I, all this week, I just, I listen to stuff that's going to edify me. I listen to things that's going to bring out the promises of God in my life. I walk in a life of favor, and you do too. But you got to open up your mouth and say it. It's, there's nothing wrong to talk to yourself. People like me. You say, well, people don't like you too. I don't worry about them. Because there are more that's for me than against me. So why would I focus on the, 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 the negative when I got more that's for me? And some of us, what we do is just like Elijah's servant. When, he, they, when they saw the, the people, uh, the, the enemies, and they saw him, and he said, boy, Elijah said, hey, there are more for us than against him. He said, all I see are, are enemies. And the Bible says that Elijah said, Lord, open up his eyes that he may see. And the Bible says he saw horses and chariots surrounding him and Elijah. Listen, there are more angels surrounding you than demonic forces. The devil works like God. He's an imitation. He wants us to say things, watch this now, that is initiated from the negative side or from the demonic side or from the enemy side because once we open up our mouths, we're the ones that determine what happens with our life. So he puts a thought and, or he puts a suggestion that says, you know, that person hates you. And so you just tell your girlfriend, you know, I know Sally at work, she don't like me. What difference does it make? If God is for you, who can be against you? So stop talking about who's against you and start talking about who's for you. And touch your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Now this is practical application right here. Listen, heaven is a done deal. I'm not even worried about going to heaven. What I'm challenged on is living a righteous life day to day. I'm going to tell you something. There are some rewards you're missing if you know you're not obeying God. Give me an amen right there. Will y'all hear me just pause like that? The Bible says, Paul, see lie. That means to think about that. <laughs> Teenagers, it's important to obey. Not just your parents, but obey God. And you can't say you're obeying God if you're not obeying your parents. 
Can I get an amen from the parents? Yeah. And see, when, when, when your parents not looking, God is. I, look, I ain't worried about it. Look, the other day, Landon was doing something, and I didn't even need no discernment. I didn't need no Holy Spirit. I didn't need the Word. I didn't need no angels. I didn't need nothing. I just looked at him. He looked guilty. He was jumping in the bed. I know that's what he was doing. But he was all still when I came in. I looked at him and said, do it again. How many know he thought I knew what he did? <laughs> Everybody say, obey God. That is the result of being a believer. It's not about how much I can get away with. It's not about if I'm trying to get into heaven or stay into heaven because that's done. Listen, now what I need to do is learn the voice of God and obey it for my life so I can receive the promises that he has made in his word. Amen. So if you didn't feel I finished, I didn't. And maybe if you all encourage me, I'll go into the studio because there are some other things that uh, I could talk about in the afterlife. Like, you know, the, the new earth and the new heaven because this one's going to burn up. You say, well, why would it need a new heaven and a new earth? Because remember, Satan was up there in heaven. The first sin took place up there. God kicked him out. He came down here. So now he messed that up and he messed this up. Now God's still up there and God's good. But see, you got to know, and we have to know, that we're not going to let the enemy have his way. So now, that's why God fills us with his spirit. And he puts a desire in us. And I'm going to answer this question, and I'm going to stop, because I have six minutes. Check this out. I was meeting with uh, someone from the church, and uh, this particular person had a desire to smoke weed. And uh, so we went through all the negative things. I said, uh, let, let's, I said, what's the worst thing that can happen if you got caught smoking weed? And I said, it was enough to get busted. He said, well, uh, I'd probably go to jail. I said, okay. I wrote down on a piece of paper, jail. And then uh, I said, well, what happens if you go to jail? Well, you won't be able to see your daughter. Yeah. And then yeah, I said, you have tarnished now your record. Now you have a felony on your record. And then so I said, number four, you, you messed up now your work record. You, it's going to be hard for you to get a job because now you go to you know, jail. And so I went through all that. And I said, so, so, so how do you stop doing something you want to do? This is what I ask him. Some of y'all are wondering that too. How do I stop doing something I want to do? It ain't hard at all. I said, now, I would charge you a million dollars for the answer to this question. But freely I have received, freely I'm going to give. <laughs> so here's the question. How do you stop doing something you like doing? Let's say you like pornography. How do you stop doing that? Let's say you like cussing. Let's say you like doing that. <laughs> I always know I got some cusses in the room. I always know. And some of some, somebody just said it ain't mad. Well, I only cuss when I get mad. It don't matter. That's just like saying, well, I only kill people when I get mad. <laughs> How do you stop doing something you like doing? Here's the key. Don't ask God to help you stop doing it. Because you can stop doing something and still have the desire to do it on the inside. So how do you stop? You ask God now to give you the desire to want to stop. The Bible says God will give you the desires of your... 
So now if you're saying, God, I desire to be weed free. I desire to be cuss free. I desire to live a life that is above the life of the flesh. Father, put the desire in me to not want to do those things. Let me tell you something. Don't be ready. To, don't pray that prayer if you ain't ready. Because you're going to wake up one morning and you ain't going to want to get high. I know some of y'all are real spiritual. You don't think people in here getting high. I'll tell you what, there's some people in this room getting high. (laughs) Now, I have not been high in 30-some years. Weed is an afterlife. And and look, if God can make me weed-free, he can make you weed-free. If God can make, I don't know the last time I've cussed. It's been 30-some years. I don't cuss. I just don't do that. I can slam my hand in the door. I won't cuss. You know why? I'm cuss-free. If God can make me cuss free, he can make you cuss free. I pretty much fight free now. I really am. I'm doing good. I want you to close your eyes right there. I want you to ask the Lord to remove a desire that you have to do something that you know is not pleasing to him. It could be a a negative attitude that you have on a regular basis. It could be some habits that you have that may not be pleasing to him. I just want you to ask him right now. Now, Father, I declare over this church, those who have just asked for you to put the desire in them to, and remove the desire to do what they may be doing, I'm asking now that you put the desire into them to live like you want them to. And I declare in Jesus' name that the promises of God on their life will come more and more and more. That the favor of God will sh- surround them like a shield. And that the blessings of the Lord, which makes them rich and add no sorrow, will hunt them down. And I thank you in advance for fruit coming out of this series and this message in Jesus' name. Whatever head bowed right there. If you're here today, if you are unbelievable.